0: Hello and welcome back to the wide world of wargaming. As always, we are your hosts, Alex uh, Alex Garrett, Jeremy, and John. Uh, We have a lot to go through tonight. We're going to be talking about the uh, Age of Leetmar GT as well as a Dutch GT for Age of Sigmar. And we are also going to start off this month, the month of March, which is going to be our TO month, uh, with a special exclusive interview with uh, Warhammer hero Jeremy Schroef, who is the uh, tournament organizer for not only the OFCC uh, GT for Age of Sigmar in the summertime, but also Rose City Wrath, which was also formerly a Warhammer Fantasy Battle GT, um, but it is, of course, uh, now a major event for Age of Sigmar this year. Um, that is going to be after uh, everything else, however, so we got a lot to get through tonight. Uh, as always, John, what's on your workbench?
1: Hey, Alex, Jeremy, Garrett, how are you guys doing this evening? Boy, I am excited. It is March, and that means that we are only a couple weeks away from the Rose City Wrath. I'm really looking forward to my return to the Great Pacific Northwest. Every time I come up there, I have an amazing time. Great people, great food. Great bourbon, some decent beer, and lots and lots of excellent, excellent Warhammer gaming. So that's really what's been on my mind. Now, as far as what's actually on my workbench, as you guys know, I've been continuing to build up my Nurgle army. Uh, I'm right now, I'm at a pretty high probability to bring my Nurgle army up there. Uh, I have a little conversation I want to have later with my co-host, Jeremy, uh, to see if, in fact, I'm going to borrow an army from him and save myself the effort of traveling But we'll see how that goes. As it is, I am working towards Nurgle. So uh, to keep the progress going, I built myself uh, a Nurgle Sorcerer. Uh, That is a fine, fine cast model. In fact, this may be the actual easiest model to build out of the entire Age of Sigmar line as it's fine cast. And all I had to do was clip it from the sprue and glue it to the base. There's no assembly. There's one ah, piece model. Yes.
2: <laughs> good, old, good old metal models put into resin. <laughs> right? That's
1: all he is. That's all he is. Along with that, you know, continuing to play in our Age of Sigmar Escalation League at the Game Castle Mountain View, ran by Mr. Sonny Wynn up there. Our Escalation League, which is now in its, uh, what, third – fourth week i guess uh has moved up to the 2000 point level so i got my first 2000 point game in with the nurgles and you know what uh after building um my uh horticlux Slimux the other day i decided that uh once we hit 2000 points i was going to go ahead and give the nurgles menagerie a try so i built a nice little list with uh Slimux, Aguo, a guo uh scrivener uh but well, we got 70 plague bearers and five beasts of Nurgle along with Nurgle's menagerie and an extra command point. I was playing okay. against Mr. Daniel Freitas with his cities of Sigmar list. Um, basically he had himself a Elfie list with kind of high elves. Uh, we had some eternal guard and some sisters of the watch in there, but he also had a big old unit of witches and the appropriate stuff to buff them up. So there was, a uh, Uh, What was it? Bottles being drunk or whatever the hell that shit is. Uh, As well as a Luminarch of Hish with a white wizard. Uh, Pretty good list. Uh, It had some pretty nasty hitting stuff. Uh, Had a lot of mechanisms for uh, hitting on twos. I think wounding on threes. There was some stuff that was causing mortal wounds to me. All in all, an entirely frightening army that he was brought to the table. uh, As cities of Sigmar tend to do. However, with the Nurgle's Menagerie. I was all about summoning the trees. So I, uh, of course, brought a tree in, normal Nurgle tree at the beginning. I summoned in a second tree. I went ahead and every turn brought in another tree. By turn three, I had summoned in a second Guo. And it was a great battle, but at the end of the story, gosh, what were we playing? Um, uh, There were three objectives. Sorry, I'll forget which mission it is. Well, bottom line is the thing I was able to get all, huh?
2: Was it shifting objectives?
1: It was not the shifting objectives. They are just each objective was worth one point uh, in the middle there. Um, it's sorry, not know-
3: escalation. Escalate-
1: <laughs> that's what it was. It was escalation with the diagonal deployment and all of that good stuff. So bottom line, I was able to put my Plague Bearers on the objectives turn one, got myself three points. Daniel was only able to get one point that first turn. After that, every single turn, the objectives went back and forth. We both scored three on point, uh, three points on turn two, two on three, two on four, two on five, and so I was able to win that game by two points. I summoned so much stuff, it was ridiculous. That, Nurgle's Menagerie, not a good list, not a good list definitely lacking all the tools to do anything. But when I'm rolling out, you know, four, five D three plus my normal summoning every turn, I was consistently getting 14 to 18 summoning points each turn. So I was basically able to bring 10 plague bearers or some other reasonable unit in every single turn. And that's basically what won the game for me. So good fun stuff that my friends is what is on my workbench this week. Garrett, What the heck is on your workbench this week? Oh, by the way, wait, Garrett, I'm sorry. I almost forgot the most important thing. I'm also enjoying a little St. George's single malt whiskey this week. Just a a little something simple to get me through the the episode. (laughs) Uh, Garrett, what are you enjoying?
3: So you literally caught me mid-breath with your wait, wait, wait. (laughs) I literally breathed in to start talking, and you said wait, and I had to hold my breath for that whole statement. Excellent. Um, So with you ending on what you were drinking, I'll start with what I am drinking. Uh, so I'm continuing with my Lost Boys cidery uh, drinking and I got their wingman cider, which is the dry cider with raspberries. It is uh, quite refreshing, actually. Mm. Oh, good times. So um, <laughs> um, product placement. I'm still. Yeah. Right. Uh, yes. Yeah, product placement on this very small cidery in Alexandria, Virginia. We'll get that out there in the world. Uh, maybe maybe when people come out to Nova, we can, we can grab a bunch. I mean, is we that have like a a cider?
1: Weed. Is it like cider country out there or something like that? Is that like a particular thing that's going on?
3: Uh sort of. So, uh, Virginia has a history of uh, drinking of making cider back in colonial times, where they would uh, basically make apple wine. And oh. yeah, so they 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 since colonial times they've been making hard cider. And that's kind of lived here for a while, but I think Virginia has got a revival of the craft brew scene, and so a lot of cideries are starting to follow through that, just like the rest of the country.
1: Oh, very nice. Very nice. As they say – uh, they drink wine on the coast and beer everywhere else, but uh, they obviously drink beer on the coast as well. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. But yeah, as far as what I'm working on, I'm still working on building up my uh, living city list. I just got a bunch of dark shards. I have been pleasantly surprised with how dark shards perform and uh, still looking to actually stop proxying and borrowing dark shards and building up and painting my own. Um, and then I have to still finish my Celeste Huracanum. I've been dragging my feet on him and rebased a bunch of Phoenix Guard because, for whatever reason, the person that uh, James got them secondhand from put them on 32 mil bases, and so I had to put them back on the 25 mil bases. Um, So building up my Living City list, having a lot of fun with them, getting ready for a tournament this Saturday, and I might try to go to a second tournament on Sunday. So we'll see how that works out. Uh, but, yeah, that, that's all I got going these days. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? Are you, uh, you preparing for Ferocity Wrath at all?
2: Uh, yeah, kind of. I'm slowly drinking some other whiskey, uh, also known as Airdberg Urgendale. I think that's how it sounds. <laughs>
1: And and then, I've been working on saying that since last week.
2: <laughs> I, I don't know. Probably forever until they, they, until they uh, decide to no longer uh, give me a discount for buying this whiskey. Uh, but for the most part, <laughs> um, I'm painting, uh, I am painting some Cardon Overlords. If you, That was an obvious after the, uh, the whiskey comment. I am painting them in a very patriotic color. So not that it's going to be like the army I take to ETC, but if it is the army I take to ETC, that will look American, we'll put it that way. <laughs> so
3: are they red, white, and blue, or, or French, or, or Russian? Yeah, I was about to say, are they red, white, and blue, or are they blue, white, and red? That's a very important distinction. They're, no, they're no, really, he's putting Confederate flags on them. That's how
1: he's going distinctly <laughs> American. Yeah, I'm,
2: I'm going all gray, all gray plastic. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, it's they're very Minimum looking. Uh, and you guys are giving me shit, but you've seen those models. I'll be posting some later tonight on Twitter. Uh, oh, good, and. Uh, I mean, they look they look fine. I don't think they would look good. Thank you, John. Though. I'll take that compliment. I'm just an eter- eternal pessimist pessimist when it comes to me and painting. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, that's on my workbench. And then immediately after, I'm going to start painting my zinch, uh, which I've uh, bought a large collection from... Um, um, ben Viscara a while back, and uh, they've been sitting there and just collecting dust. And I want to paint them next because it's a, obviously a very good army, and I want to do something not normal with them. So I'll, try, I'll, I'll, work, I'll start painting on those next. Is um, but, no internet, you
1: can, you've heard it here. Uh, when Jeremy goes destroying the world with his Zinch army, blame Ben Viscara. Ben Viscara responsible for what's about to happen.
2: That's right.
3: Is, uh, is is Ben regretting selling you all that zinch now?
2: I don't, I don't. Not yet. No, I don't. I don't think so yet. I think he's regretting playing. We the last time we played a game. It was like places of arcane power, and he had like three scryer heroes, and it was I played my KO, and I nuked all three of his heroes in round one. So I, I think he was having some regrets, but not because of that. It's just because of like mission design, I guess. Uh, but. I think I think it's fine, Ben. Mission design is fine. You just need to not build lists around three weak weak ass heroes. Uh, But the most (laughs) (laughs) hey guys, you know, if if I'm anything, I'm consistent about my uh, what's the word I'm looking for Um, fatherly like uh, uh, advice, and uh, you know, it builds. He's
0: an equal opportunity employer.
2: It builds, uh, it builds character. Uh, but the point I was trying to make is, uh, once in my work matches, I'm play- I'm gonna try to play KO for Road City Raft. Uh, if not, I'll probably play something else. It doesn't matter. I have like like, I don't know, six painted armies in my basement. So John and whoever needs an army for Rose City Raft can find, they'll have to fight over whatever I don't pick, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, so John, you might, you know, I, I made sure of, uh, with, with Jeremy again, if the clear bases for Island of Deepkin were okay, and he said they're fine. So that is still yeah. not on the table, worst case scenario. Well,
1: that, but, that could be my return to RCW with uh, Deepkin. That might be fun.
2: Yeah, there you go. You know, especially in a meta that has changed drastically from a year, you know, a year ago to very more shooty. Um, you know, the glorious uh, crawler meta has obviously uh, come and uh, conquered nothing. So you can still crush those dreams. Uh, <laughs>
0: yep,
1: yup. Uh,
2: in the meta. But uh, other than that, uh, that's on my workbench. And uh, what about you, Alex? What's on your workbench?
0: Oh boy, outside of, uh, you know, feeling vindicated with that crawler meta um i don't have too much i'm basically doing some touch-ups on some heroes doing a touch-up on a few other things here and there some odds and ends i've actually been doing a lot less painting and a lot more research i've been kind of flirting around with the idea of having like a display board to bring to just like west coast events in general like i'm not gonna fly with a display board because i've done it once and i will never do it again but like I kind of want to build like an actual true blue board, kind of like your fire slayer board. Like uh, I, I want to make something nice. Um, and I've been looking at ideas and I have like two different separate ideas that I'm like really kind of sold on. One of which has a smoke feature with lights the other one that has like floating islands of like shyish or like even upside down multiple upside down black pyramids not just one uh as the idea of like a shyish kind of um display board since i consistently play death armies only so hey you know it could be night or it could be obr it could be soul blight or whatever um so that's been on my workbench just straight up like uh, just really creating a vision board, if you will, of the ideas that I want um, and looking up, you know, say pieces of terrain I want to build or 3D files I want to send to someone to throw a few bucks at to, to print off for me or what have you. So I've been looking at a lot of that as a part of my workbench. Um, I tonight have uh, had a, a white claw as my Twitter followers receive and, you know, of course, keeping hydrated with regular water. Uh, I was initially going to go to the Uh, go work out with our good friend of the podcast, uh, Larry, and roommate of Ben's, Um, and we know he is a listener too, but uh, he decided that he didn't want to go tonight, he wanted a bit of a rest day, so because of that, uh, I am drinking, so I am drinking not any sort of Aether whiskey, but whiskey all the same, I am drinking a triple distilled Jameson Irish whiskey, so uh, we'll take a taste of this rather uh, benign whiskey, but fun one. Ah, great, great to quote to quote John. Excellent, very, very great. Um, <laughs> oh, that was um, awesome, Alex. That was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> oh boy, but uh, you know, it, it's it's something. That, you know, I'm really excited to
1: start a display board, or at least think about starting one. Um, now you do some trick in there that makes it more transportable or something for you, like a folding, collapsing, modular, something like that.
0: I really don't know enough people who have successfully pulled off those, but uh, if any of our listeners have successfully pulled off a modular display board, that is more than just, you know, say a tray with a fat mat or, you know, a a FLG mat kind of insert equivalent in it. um, Please let me know. (laughs) I definitely want to find out. Um, I have been doing my research and I just have not found everything that I want to find yet. Um, There's one person from Spokane that I was talking to a little while ago um, who had set up a little mobile board for his Nighthawn and Legion of Grief army, but it's not super conducive to traveling. And I just kind of – I'm I'm resting on my laurels knowing that if I create a display board, it's likely going to be like an on parade or like only Portland, Washington, California events. I'm probably not going to be able to successfully create one that's fly-friendly, you know? You there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
3: I, I, I kind of get where you're coming from. Uh, I've been tiddling with this idea of taking the Frontline Gaming collapsible tray and building material onto each of the panels so that you can easily transport them.
0: Oh, that's not a bad so, idea at all. Yeah.
3: Like making green, like uh, doing modeling clay and stuff to. Uh, um, basically give it texture and like flock it and stuff and have it very flat and then maybe add some magnetized 3d like trees or whatever and then so that way you can collapse the tray and it's still very flat and then all you got to do is figure out how to fly a tree which has a silver death player you'd have to do anyways and then flying with that so i'm basically just adding i'm building the tray on uh, building the board onto a frontline gaming tray so that's what i'm planning on
0: doing you know what? I do have both the first and the second edition display trays for Frontline, so I think with the old one, I can do that. I can make one in three separate sections, so it can be semi uh, uh, transportable. But um, and maybe use the islands instead of the instead of the um, smoking and, smoke and mirrors kind of theme. That, that's not a bad idea. I yeah, like I, was, I was planning
3: on a uh, cutting out sheet metal and gluing them to the bottom of the tray, so then they become magnetized. So, that you can have a magnetic display tray that you can then move around. Because as long as it's a, uh, ma- uh, you know, magnetic steel, you can have it just then magnets just stick
1: right to it. Or, I mean, or I don't care if. Tin, <laughs> tin sheets is what you're typically talking yeah, about. Tin yeah, tin sheets, yeah.
0: Yeah, but even then, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that because you're not going to transport with that. I, I don't know. That, well, just so it's, mag- it's
3: magnetic when you're at the event, so you can actually, like, set it up
0: oh yeah yeah that's good good piece of advice another thing to put on a little board there um which when i say board i literally mean it's a folder on instagram that i've just been like looking at all these events but i have been looking at a bunch of cool ideas that people have pulled off that i'm like incredibly impressed with that i know aren't that difficult so i don't know i'm kind of stuck on three different things i'll tell you guys about it later
2: i think you should basically just take a necron display board and uh, build it out of that
0: Mm, no, because my Necrons are all based around a uh, snow theme and they're my, um, I've already based my knight army that's going to get commission painted and they're based against Necrons with a bunch of destroyed Necron terrain. If, if you're going to build
2: a display board, you can do like a multifasional da- uh dash, you know, like a display board where you have half of it is like snow base and then half of it is your deaf armies, like color scheme and then do, uh, do that.
0: It's a good idea probably not going to do it though.
2: I know. (laughs) You're disappointed already.
0: (laughs) Okay. You know what? You didn't even build your display board. What are you talking about? Um, you came up with the idea though. Uh, okay. Well, you know, moving on from just, uh, yelling at me about hobbying. we we, We got some stuff that we want to talk about. We, of course, want to talk about the events that have gone on this past weekend, and there were quite a bit, but only a few of them were really, truly GTs or major-style events, One of and uh, they were primarily overseas. Um, One of them was an Aussie event, specifically the Age of Leap Mar uh, event on Leap Your Weekend, Uh, and that had some interesting results, you know, this... Glorious Australian meta um, showed that there was quite a spread with some of the final results here. And in fact, uh, the number one, uh, you know, the first place uh, win was from a Sean Tubman with his Carradon Overlords. Uh, Jeremy, I think that you might have some insight on this one in particular.
2: Yeah, he, he, well, firstly, I want to point out that at the event, uh, Sean Tubman did. You know, finished first on top of Disciples of Zinch, Daughters of Cain, and another disciple of Zinch. So, good job, Sean. Uh, I think uh, his Twitter account is AOSTub, a uh, listener of the show, friend of the show, I guess, in a sense. Uh, and he he won with KO. Uh, I'm guessing uh, his victory was due to some uh, victory point secondary. Because from what I could tell online is that his turn for schedule was uh, below the fourth and second place players. But it was... Uh, his overall like points, I guess, was higher from uh, the even though they were all tied in fourth place for with four wins and one loss. But Sean's list was, uh, you know, interesting in, in the sense that he took uh, uh, Iron Sky Command, which is an incredibly good battalion for Ko. Uh, incredibly good in the sense that it takes a lot of really it, the requirements for it are very good units, and uh, that they are basically three characters. That's not including an admiral. And uh, options, and then basically up to one to three endringers, which are the balloon guys that heal boats, and then an ironclad, which is probably you know you could argue is the best option. I do even though like you could take two frigates for ten for less points. Uh it, it, you know it's just it's it's a choice uh, decision, but I think they're both very good options either between two frigates or one ironclad, and then ten knot companies. And he also took that's the battalion requirements. And then he also took ten thunders, which I'm assuming were riding inside the Ironclad instead of the Arcnot, even though he had like two additional units of ten knots So he had a unit of twenty, a unit, and two units of ten uh, uh, in terms of Arcnot. So I'm guessing okay. maybe he would rotate them in and out of the Ironclad depending on the the matching between the twenty man unit and the Thunderers. Uh, but for the most part, I'm guessing it's nothing but the Thunderers because he did not take the relic. That would reduce the penalty for uh, overbearance, I guess, inside the boat, which is when you have more in terms of the ironclad, more than 15 models. Uh, you can't fly high and you move at half speed and you can't disengage if you're above the capacity. So in retrospect, looking at the list, it's what Iron Jaws does well. is very shooty. Uh, there is some op- some. Choices he made in the list design, I, I see why he made them, but I'm not sure in an all-commerce army it's ne- like necessarily that good because there's a redundancy in um, the navigator. And then there's also the additional fact that he none of his balloon guys are going to be battle line, and he took a unit of nine, according to what we have for information, since unfortunately the event is not posted on BCP. And uh, we're depending on Dan at AOS Shorts to basically go through the list. Uh, which means when they're a unit of nine, they cannot hitch a ride with any of the boats. So that's a fundamental kind of problem for... I mean, they move fast, but it's nice to be able to hitch a ride, right? So uh, I guess the last takeaway I will point, because I've been kind of rambling on about this list, is that he did very well with uh, with it and won first place. And I think uh, I'm... uh, i'm a big fan of that battalion i think the next few lists i'm gonna run ko i'm gonna stick to it because the unit options are probably the best out of all the practice game i played uh and yeah i mean what about you guys on the crew what what kind of opinions you know what i'll start with john what's uh have you taken a look uh, and understand anything about ko if you know you've been hearing me complain about them for like a month now
1: yeah, I mean, other than my one game against KO, I'll be honest with you. I don't know too much about them. I have the book. I've looked at it a little bit. Um, I'm really what I see is that this is going to be an army that takes somebody like yourself to crack the secrets of it and get the nasties out of it. So that's all I'm waiting. Just like right now, I'm not too worried about KO in six months. Um, they might be deadly, but in six months, who knows what else is going to be out. Uh Seraphon. <clears> huh. <throat>
2: Well, you know, outside of Seraphons, there'll be Luminif or whatever they're called. (laughs) Assuming they can get out of China.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, here's the thing, is GW has a habit of overpowering old books, Zinch, Seraphon, stuff like that, Skaven. Uh, They don't seem to have a, a real... Uh, kind of come out of the gate with new armies being super powerful well no i take that back OBR ocr is, bone reapers yeah, i was gonna say obr <laughs> is pretty strong i was just thinking back to the days when Idenith and stuff like that came out that were fairly balanced or uh armies so anyway I,
3: I, th- I think what happens with gw is with new books they have no frame of reference and so they're either crap like original ko or really good like obr because they don't have they don't know where to like put them and then the rest of the books kind of do this pendulum thing where they're like oh they're like really good oh they're like kind of worse and then they slowly like bottom out so like they're in the sylvaneth corn range where it's like okay this is a solid book it's not the best it's not the worst it's a good book and that's how they kind of do once they get a couple of releases out and the but the new armies they're either really good or they're really bad I don't think they really get them good right in the uh, first try
1: I could buy into what you're saying there
3: yeah um but as far as this list i actually played a similar list uh my buddy matt barker uh, he came over to my house and we just he's kind of building up uh this iron uh sky command build as well and i i kind of brought a medium tier corn list because we wanted to you know start not just jump him into the deep end and you know punish him for not knowing the army and i will say it's brutal like seeing all like he killed a six-man skull crusher unit with like just the ironclad and like the, the ko can dump out a ton of shooting and then the fly high rule is just ridiculously mobile so being able to just toss his army around the board wherever it needs to go and like when we were playing i was able to see how he could have been more optimized in using his Arcanaut company because he didn't even use them well and i i feel like it's got a lot of potential for um just maneuverability, board control, and just raw damage output. Mm-hmm. Does that seem about right, Jeremy? I
2: I, I want to say you're right. Uh, but at the same time, I, I, I just don't... It's, it's, it's challenging right now because I think, uh, if I remember correctly off the top of my head, uh, he also takes the gimmick spell in the bottle mechanic with uh, the... Vortex, the lightning vortex, and as much as it's it's kind of sad now, but like I think like the consensus online is that like you basically have to play KO that dynamic and that mechanic to be com- at least competitive, and it really hurts me because what that gimmick does really in the end of the day is do mortal wounds, which is a problem KO has as a generic mechanic. It's that you know you're like you're like oh this is an army of higher rank shooting, so it can you know. Do some damage on the table. Oh, it turns out, like, no, like, really, what we really want is our shooting is mediocre, and this thing just makes us, like, finishes, enables us to finish off things we can't usually finish off in a turn, basically. And uh, so, in retrospect, I I don't think the army as a whole, and maybe that's by design by Games Workshop, has that amount of punch in terms of like one round of shooting it's i think KO works well when it's two rounds of sh- over two rounds of shooting and you can cherry pick a flank of an opponents army but you definitely can't do that if you're trying to fight them in the center basically and that's yeah and that's the kind of unfortunately a lot of missions are decided by center positioning and i don't think that army plays well in the center positioning so
1: so what you're saying is like if it was an army that or if it was a game that was all about killing the opponent and maneuver and stuff like that they would do great but as a game that's actually about holding objectives not so much
2: I think no they, they still do that John I just don't think they do the problem is that everything is like a ticking time clock for them it's, it's both the mechanic of like can my opponent score max points for the first three turns and is that a lead that I can't recover as well as additionally can I kill enough in the first three turns to be able to be in a scoring position by the end of the game a winning position, not just scoring position. Yeah, and the clock runs out. So, you know, props to Sean for doing so well. I, I'm not sure; it's hard to tell based on what I could see, like what he played. I'm very curious what the the packet was like and what he played, but yeah. And uh, well, Mr. Alex, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have to work on your uh, keyboard noises.
0: <laughs> oh well, you know I me. Mean. It's like it's like it's
1: like muting messenger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jeremy. Somebody uh, doesn't have room to talk on that one. I don't, God. but it's
2: okay. I, you know what? Like this, you know, they need to understand. I don't give a shit.
1: <laughs> oh, wait, wait. Here, here we go.
0: There we go. Look at that. I, Look at that. I'm surprised Look at that.
3: John doesn't have one of those super mechanical keyboards, like the old school gamer ones that just like absolute clickety clack. Well, oh, he
0: I did
1: If he did, he'd have a story that would take like. 12 hours to explain to you how he no, got that one. Okay, so Alex <laughs> just cut me off from my keyboard story. Fuck you.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god, perfect timing. Oh,
0: oh my I, god. I think
3: Alex wanted us to move on to the uh, second and third place, which uh, we could quickly go over as, oh look, it's Disciples of Ancient Daughters of Cain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's two well-performing armies, uh, and nothing else we need to say.
2: I mean, uh, oh, let's, let's Let's give some props to Exander Sinclair who uh who showed up to the event with Disciples of so not so much props, but he did have a better uh strength of schedule than the third round player, but unfortunately did not get third round placement. I, I feel you, man. I feel that pain. It happens a lot to us. Uh just keep you know, keep I gotta going. give
3: props to Matt Wat- uh Watkinson. He had the highest strength of schedule of the top four. Yeah. And he got second place. So he got the tournament points and had a high strength of schedule. I think the only person had a higher strength of schedule than him was the fifth place player who went three wins versus four. So he of all the four and ones, which was the top places, he had the highest strength of schedule and he had almost enough tournament points to win the game. So he actually had hard matchups and brought Disciples' ange to victory. So, yeah. you know.
2: Yeah. And for context for the audience, um, Matt did play Sean for round five, uh, so it was a very deciding deciding victory in terms of who was going to get first or second. Uh, and Matt also brought a very... I don't know what the word I would describe it at. It's, it's like trying to be change host shooty, but with some splice of magic. He brought yeah. uh, two units of six flamers and an internal conflagration. And then two units of 10 Burnstones, then a unit of t- pink, 10 Pink Horrors, a ch- uh, Lord of Change, um, a, a Fate Master. And I'm, I'm just going to focus on those, like the choices, because, you know, when you think Change Host, most people think like it's a one drop army. Unfortunately, his is a two drop army because the Fate Master is not part of the Change Host options. Uh, so, I mean, two, two drop is still more plenty in terms of like choosing who goes first and so Until forth.
3: Until you fight another Change Host army.
2: That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Until you fight another <laughs> change host army, um, I'm just. I was very curious about his decision on the Fade Master because the ability, as you know, uh, for or so for those who don't know, is that it's a command ability uh, that gives all Zinch units within 18 inches reroll to hit. When you're playing, flamer spam change hosts, do you really need rerolling twos or threes to hit against targets? No, I don't. No. Uh, I mean, I guess you could just. I don't know. Spend the CP for the generic ability for re-rolling one. So maybe there's a dynamic I'm missing. maybe it's for re-rolling hits in melee as well. I d I don't know. But
0: maybe I'll you're just sh- bad at
2: the time. I was very surprised by that decision in terms of like losing a drop count for re-rolling the hit pot potential. So uh but that was Matt's list, and it's I mean it's guys, it's flamer spam Zeech. with like in this version, it's endless it includes endless spells and more wound output. So I think it's he, he thinks it's he, I think he thinks he's playing KO. He's like, I got all this shooting, but I can't finish off finish my targets off because they have high save values, and I just need like two or three mortal wounds, and you know I can move on to the next target. Well,
0: it was like not- those people when when the books were first came, first came out. I think even Games Workshop said that there are two new battle tomes. They're really great. One of them is excellent at shooting, moving, and teleportation, and the other one is carried on overlords.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. You know, I want to point out that, like, no one in that event played Aiden uh, of Deepkin. So I'm going to just point it out that, like, I'm pretty sure, in considering looking at the, the army selections, if one person played Aiden of Deepkin, there, there would have been literally the shark in the pool. Because,
0: <laughs> oh my God.
2: Uh, anyway. No,
0: totally. Totally. The absolute spoiler. Speaking of spoilers, though, um, there was another event that we want to talk about, though. There was the Dutch AOS GT, which had the strangest meta I, I think we've seen in some time um, oh, yeah. with the podiumed armies in order of first to third, bone splitters, fire slayers, and legion of grief.
2: I I Without the packet to the event, I don't know if I can make an a fair representation of how those armies performed. Um I, I you know what I'll let my co-hosts like talk like what their their thoughts are, but like honestly like I don't I feel like I need the packet to understand how the Legion the grief player did.
0: Well let's go with the let, let's take a look here at the bone splitter one first. I mean, it was bone grins, uh, a war clan in the realm of highish. It had a savage big boss, a war uh, three war uh, four Wardrocks um 30 savage orcs, uh, a unit of boar boys. Two units of more boys, uh, eight Stabas, and then there's the Brutal Ruck and the Cop Ruck and with, a, with a penumbral engine. I truly am just confused. Garrett, can you shine more light on this for me? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, absolutely not.
3: I mean, thir- 30 – wait, the 30 Savage Orcs also have chompas instead of Stabas or whatever the Spears are. Okay. um. I mean, yeah, this this is probably just excellent piloting. Uh, I mean, thirty savage orcs is good. Eight Stabas is terrifying, although not four hundred points terrifying, but terrifying. Um,
2: and then that's just way more than four hundred points. points. Eight Stabas is almost eight hundred points. It's four, isn't it? 200 for no, two hundred. No, no,
3: it's it, it's it's uh, is it two? No, it's a hundred for two.
2: Oh, it's a hundred for two. Okay, right, it's a hundred cool. for
3: two. Yeah, so you get you get eight Stabas for four hundred points, and then four wardocs. Like, I I mean. It, I, it
0: confuses me and what i don't understand.
3: like i mean like i don't want to say like i'm confused by a list because i like try, oh, i want to congratulate this guy for winning but like oh, sure. a number a penumbral engine like i've never seen one of those we we're just um, playing 100 points down yeah it's like you, you're playing 100 points down um, I, I guess. see yeah, I, I don't know, Jeremy. You 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 tell me. Do you see anything in this? I don't. I don't even know what Bone Grin. I mean, I things
2: understand things. the bones. The 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 engine. He wants the extra command points. Uh, but you so,
3: don't have an option. Like you sometimes get the extra command points. You sometimes don't.
2: Oh, let me. No, I think like I thought you you got to pitch... Sometimes, sometimes you you
3: roll every turn, I and like I a, you have, I on I a five you plus water. you have to. St- every turn you roll and on a five plus you have to switch the ability
2: i thought you got to pick the starting ability basically i
3: think you get to pick the start but on the every turn you roll and on a five plus it automatically switches okay so you don't i mean choose.
2: it's it's like it's 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 like a nifty like you've already paid 50 points for an extra command point so it's like it's almost games it's like paying for 100 points for two command points on average i guess yeah it's so. it's i can see that like I, I mean that's how that's the first thing i went to my head is like I'm playing Bone Splitters. What do I want? More command points, I guess. Like, so it makes sense to me. I, it's it's just because like so like the the bone. If you didn't know for the audience here, the Bone Grinders command ability is that um it's it you can pick a unit within 18 inches of a Savage Big Boss and they, on a six uh, any time they roll a six, it's, it counts as two hits instead of one, which I think is already a generic ability of a savage big uh big boss
3: the savage oh. big boss has that command ability
2: all right so it's like you can double dip in that because i believe i'm they surprised
3: were- he i'm surprised he didn't get the um uh weird shaman who has the spell that also does that so you can triple dip in it so you can have I, each six count as four hits at that i point. think it's
2: because of the double battalion i think he was going down to two drop list and yeah. uh he probably didn't have a choice like didn't have space for the other one effectively but I, I do get I do get why like it gives you the ability to double dip in that like exploding sixes mechanic for your eight big stabbers. Effectively, yeah,
3: I guess there's that and the, or the thirty savage orcs which is throw yeah. out a bunch of attacks. Although at that point, I would use spears because then you're going to get more attacks for, and you're looking for sixes. You don't care about the extra hit.
2: Yeah, I think we've basically uh, deciphered this list performance. Uh, play well, uh, roll lots of sixes and there you go <laughs> and just just
3: ha- i mean have lots of bodies that you just control the objectives and win i mean that which is
2: which is funny because the second placement list was hermdar fire slayers which is yeah. literally the same gimmick effectively uh i, I guess mean, a five-round
3: event with 41 players so those two probably never met each other
2: ah, that's yeah good. that's fair Uh, Do we have any? Can somebody confirm uh, that they've never played each other based on the? See
3: Benjamin. uh, I mean, if you there's a link to the actual tournament results, you can see all the pairings. Uh, Benjamin, there. I can probably confirm. It'll take me a couple of minutes, but I can confirm. The
2: odds are they probably didn't play each other, which would explain the. Because I, I would think like. If you're not playing dragfoot, like I think bone splitters have a really hard time against fire slayers, especially hermdar, because they have no way to counter the strike first mechanic. Basically, um, yeah. So, and then third place, which is the exciting bit of news, Alex. Why don't you explain who won third place? Since you played I mean, the shit out of that army,
0: I did not play the shit out of Legion of Grief. I played one game at League Night, and then I was just like, I like Night better. Um, but I played Legion of Nagash a bunch. Uh, you know, this one, I, 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 I don't personally don't get it. I mean, maybe John will be able to give me some added insight on this, but it's got a Dreadblade Harrow, which has got the Vassal of the Craven King, which steals command points. Um, uh, it's got the Aethercourt Brooch, which means you refund yourself a command point every time you use one. He, though, though he has a command point gimmick with his general alone, he didn't spend an extra CP to start with a, a, a command point. And with an army that's not allowed to take any battalions, it is a little bizarre. Using kind of a Knight of Shrouds, uh, as a uh, and our two Guardian of Souls, a Necromancer, six, uh, 80 Chain Rasps, uh, or 70 Chain Rasps, my bad, five Dire Wolves, two Chain Ghasts, uh, 30 Groom Ghast Reapers, 15 Blade Ghast Revenants, and the Prismatic Palisades. Quite frankly, I am just confused, but John. Are you seeing anything here? Are you seeing any hangers? Yeah,
1: well, here's what I get out of this, right? This is the uh, AOS Dutch Grand Tournament. And uh, the guy we're talking about in third place, Nico van den Hoek, is the person who did the best of all the vans in the entire tournament. <laughs> there are 10 people in the tournament. There's a van den Ham, there's a van den Herc, uh, van den Hoek, uh, there's even a van der <laughs> something. And so, of all the people that are Van something, uh, Nico Vandenhoek was the best placing of the Van meta at this tournament. And uh, of course, playing nasty death stuff, of course he's going to do better than his fellows at it. So that, that's all I see there. <laughs> excellent, an actual excellent
3: uh, drill down as to the performance of an army piloted. In the meta, I, th- I think John summed up our thoughts on this tournament.
0: <laughs> well, you know, it's that it's a very unique uh, uh, environment. You know, everyone's—I uh, I don't know—are uh, we allowed? Are we allowed to to, to make? Uh, you know, we're not going to. I I, I I actually like like seeing different.
3: Uh, countries have their different metas like I mean we always talk about like what is in meta and whatever but sometimes you get your, your little localized system or you know in the, the Dutch AOSGT they may have a specific mission set packet set that we haven't seen where what I mean I'm looking at this Legion of Grief list and let's be real it does have a lot of bodies 40 chain rasp boards 20 chainrass board 15 blade guys and 30 grim reapers Maybe it is in a meta where having lots of bodies just outperforms all the other lists. Um, I mean, it'll be hard to say without seeing the other,
2: yeah, uh,
3: thirty-eight lists that were there um, that lost. So, I mean, like it, it like both the Bone Splitter's army and the Night the Legion of Grief army. I and honestly, the uh, Hermdar army probably lots of tough bodies. So there's that. Legion of Grief has a lot of Ignoring Rend 4-Up save bodies all over the place. Hermdar has all these super tough bodies. And then the uh, Bone Splitters have all these two wound bodies everywhere. So maybe it's just their mission set has rewards large groups of units. Yeah, Yeah. maybe. Who knows?
2: Uh, I was going to like two... A minute. Give me a minute on this army.
1: Um, (laughs) One minute. One
2: minute. Give me a minute. Let me give you some proper treatment of this list. Um it basically is a night hunt list that wants to has the ability to recycle units. let's just get that out of the way. That's what it is. Uh, he takes um, vassal of the Craven Kig or so basically uh, when you spend a command point he has the ability to take get, generate a command point on a five up. Uh, and the other quad brooch. So he's trying to go for maximum CP generation out of that general. That general can teleport across the table and summon units out of their graveyards because that's what a Dreadblade hero does, and that's what his general is. And he has 40 Chain 30 Grim Gas, 15 Blade, uh, blade Gas revenant. Those are max size units for those options. Uh, so he's probably trying to play the game in the second half, which is effectively use the graveyards as the ability to either, you know, Regenerate uh, bodies or get on the objectives and score points. So, like I don't know, like, like it's it's just it's just Night Light is the way I look at his list because Night don't have the recycle mechanic, but they have a better consistent way of uh, packing a punch when they decide to play the game. Right? Um, not that he's necessarily sacrificing anything, but he also none of his list participates outside of the Strike First mechanic, which Night has the ability to through soul cage or uh their allegiance mechanic which is I think is wave of terror I think that's what it's called which is the ability to strike immediately after a charge move if you roll the 10 inch charge unmodified so I don't know I see uh, <laughs>
0: excuse me it's been a minute and a half
2: okay well fuck you and uh R- wrap it up wrap it up in the game you get you get to do that to me next time all right I'll tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh no no more closing thoughts no i'll give you a few
2: no i just it, it's i want oh, to give it, it. like the con the context of like hey look like it's a good night haunt list they just ended up playing in a non-night haunt army mm.
0: well, yeah that's true
3: that's very 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 it's true. the night haunt green army because they recycle <laughs>
2: mm. Okay. Oh, god the
0: green, the green new grief uh <laughs> The, uh, the Dutch guys might not get that one, but it, it might be great if his red
2: arrow was literally a green knight model from Bretonia.
0: <laughs> so. mm, that's a good idea. Mm, okay. And now, as a part of our tournament organizer month, we do have an exclusive interview with Jeremy Srofe, who is the Warhammer hero and also TO of uh, not only Rose City Wrath, but also OFCC and uh, the Food for the Blood God charity tournament, all in the Portland, Oregon area. So we have our uh, good host, Jeremy uh, Vessier, interviewing Jeremy Strove.
2: Hey everybody, uh, Jeremy Vissera here from uh, World War Wargaming with another Jeremy, Jeremy Strofe, uh, the TO of Rose City Wrath, which is happening in three weeks. So, And then unfortunately for all you all, you'll have to get on the wait list because the event is sold out at 42. It'll be the largest Pacific Northwest event uh, and one of the largest AOS events in the United States effectively now. So, Jeremy, say hi to your audience please.
4: Howdy, audience. Uh... Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate. Uh, yeah, spreading the word. Yeah, especially for next year, we'll have to uh, double the size
2: of the event. Yeah, I gotta, I
4: gotta work out with the venue something to do. Uh, the The last minute expansion was uh, a bit uh, harrowing. Yeah, uh, this year.
2: I was gonna say. Uh, so, for little additional information, yes. Rural City Rap is my home tournament. It is in Portland, Oregon. Uh, And it is right now being hosted at Guardian Games. And what you're actually hearing in the background is Guardian Games right now at our AOS League Night. For the most part, um, we have a little tradition in World World of War Gaming. We do like what's a workbench. Like, I don't know if you listen to us, but if you don't, it's fine. Uh, (laughs) And we do a workbench setup, which usually I just talk about how much I drink whiskey. But for the most part, it's like, you know, what you're working on, uh, you know, for hobbying and so forth. Uh, and also what you're drinking, I guess. So what's on your workbench, Jeremy?
4: Uh, right now, I got a uh, model from an awesome company out of Nottingham called uh, Bad Squidough Games. Uh, it's called The Raging Annie. I got it because my daughter really liked it when sure. I was digging through stuff. I told her I'd paint it for her. Uh, I have uh, some scenery. I got to finish up the storm vault and a couple of realm gates uh, to work on, uh, mostly, it's players packs. Right. I have uh, all of our players packs. I've got to collate and actually staple together. Uh, I'm working on another players pack for uh, another event later this summer. Um, trying to noodle through what I'm going to do with that. Uh, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay, um, Jeremy, you've been a you've you've been a
2: longtime player of this hobby, uh, even before AOS. Uh, can you give us a little rundown of your history of this game?
4: Yeah, I started playing with 40K. I had a roommate that owed me some money, and he gave me a Tau army. So I played Tau starting at the beginning of 4th edition, uh, right at the end of 3rd. I switched to Warhammer Fantasy Battle right at the end of 6th edition. Uh, Made the transfer to AOS back when it was the Wild West. Yeah. Uh, Played a little bit under MoComp, and then after General's Handbook came out the first time... um, AOS started growing in the area. Uh, It started going to little one-day RTTs around the area. Started running uh, Rose City Wrath as an AOS tournament. It was previously a fantasy tournament um, three years ago, and it's been growing a little bit more ever since.
2: You want to explain to some of our newer audience
4: what MoComp is? So MoComp, I I singly, I I credit a guy out of Wales named Mo Ashraf for saving AOS before General's Handbook. Like, people were rage-quitting left and right, was, like, full-on Australia. Uh, <laughs> and this one guy who doesn't even play AOS out of Cardiff wrote this, like, pool system that was kind of like points. I mean, like, put it out to the world. Yeah. Uh, South Coast GT, I think, was the first large tournament that ran it. yeah. Uh, and interest started snowballing from there again, and then General Timebook Book came out. Uh, General Sound Book 1 came out, and that kind of the rest is history.
2: Yeah, for for the most part, like... You know, for the audience who probably doesn't know this, we are newer to the game. Uh, In the first years of AOS, there was no point system. There wasn't even a power level like they added for 40k. It was just literally like, hey, play with models and, uh, I don't know, figure it out. (laughs)
4: Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about Rose City RAF. Uh, The event capped at 42 players. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, And sold out fairly quickly, actually, when you think about it. And I wanted us to talk a little bit about what you're envisioning for the event. What's your, like, TO philosophy when it comes to event
4: running? So, I start. I ran my first two-day GT on a dare. Uh, I was talking about things I wanted to do, and someone said, people talk all the time but never do anything, I dare you, and so I did it. Uh, That was in their fantasy battle. Uh, But really what I do is I run the tournament I want to play in. Um, So there are some things in my tournament that are a little bit weird. Um, Like what? (laughs) <laughs> so, like you guys taught, like Riptide, um, I do pre-chosen RealmScape features. Yep. Um, I try to pick them to be a little bit more mild. Uh, <laughs> little jab at Andrew. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, I, I thoroughly enjoyed Andrew's tournament. I liked the RealmScape features. I play Mod Tribe, so like I have nothing, <laughs> you know, going on. I've been an ogre player for sixteen years, uh, but um, I try and get, I try and play stuff there are a lot of new players in Portland and I try and pick things that are easier for newer players to adapt to and get themselves playing more comfortably in tournaments more quickly. Um, so that's how I kind of pick my events. I also do as much stuff subjectively as possible. My painting rubric is a hundred percent. Um, I'm sorry, not subjective, objectively. My painting rubric is a hundred percent objective. Uh, my, even my, my, um, my sportsmanship points are all it's a checklist between right. one to five and you most players will generally score five points every round uh, as long as they are not jerks or chronically later unprepared yeah
2: I was gonna mention also Jeremy um, runs another like local like event, uh, which is a charity drive, effectively. Um, and I think maybe it was one of the major reasons why Jeremy, and also his overwhelming focus on like introducing new players to the game and making it a fun experience for all tiers, like you know for newers and veterans as well. And that's why Jeremy got, I'm uh, pretty sure, Warhammer Hero. Was it last year or two years ago now?
4: Uh, it was last year. So I'm a Warhammer Hero for 20, no, I guess technically 2018 season. GW is kind of weird on how they do it. Yeah, they give it out um, once a year. But yeah. it's You're like the Hall of Famer for now. For yes, the, my himself. name is on a plaque in a bar without saying do not serve or accept checks from this person. <laughs> Bugsman, right? It's yes, the Bugsman the bar. Yeah. Cool.
2: Uh, and they send you a nice little plaque that looks like a Judge Dredd. Uh, oh, uh, the medal? Yeah, <laughs> it does.
4: Actually, you're the only other person that's like commented on that. I, I brought that up to my wife, and she was like, well, cheap. She just shrugged and told me to put it in the case.
1: <laughs>
2: Sounds like my wife. Uh, she just makes me take mine all to work. Like, now, they're just my cubicle. at Work is full of, like, uh, Warhammer awards. Nice. Uh, for, I, outside of that, for the event itself, uh, we're playing five rounds every yes, two sir. days. Yep. Um, do you want to go over a little bit of uh, your mission design picking philosophy? Because uh, I think that's that for me. That's the most interesting re- like uh, pick for TOS when I ask them like why picking these missions, especially mission three and five, which are usually the last missions of each day. Yep. Um, and those are important, and for the reason why is most players are tired by then, and you also kind of want to wrap it up early. At least that's why I feel like most TOS want to pick for a mission. And those those. Um, yeah,
4: I I try five is always kind of the one that i want it to kind of go quickly because um, there's always cleanup and and because of the hours of the store it's a little bit later sure. ending time uh on the sunday here um the ones i really try and focus on honestly are three and four because i feel like those are kind of the those are kind of the ones where everything zeroes in and whoever whoever's on table one yeah on round five like it doesn't matter what the mission is like that that's like that. That match is set. It's going to be yeah. zeroed in. There's going to be a ton of concentration. Yep. So it it could be pretty much any scenario that's not relocation orb, and it should be fine. Yeah. The. Uh, I mean, you should make it relocation <laughs> orb. Just didn't you do that last year? Wasn't
0: mission yeah, five so, like, <laughs> like No, it or? was. It was
4: not re- mission five. It was mission four. <laughs> uh, and I did not use the mechanics in the book. I actually purchased. Uh, a whole ton of scatter dice the old scatter dice and put them on every table yeah. so it was a lot easier to follow than the weird arrow grid from last year's general oh, yeah, it
2: was, it was pretty weird.
4: at least this one it's a little bit better but it's still I don't know it's still funky um,
2: now do you believe I mean AOS is like more progressive missions like I mean at least this year's general handbook and I know all the missions this year are 2019 yep. missions um, do you prefer progressive scoring over like kind of like the one-off uh you know,
4: um, you know, I I kind of go back and forth on it. Um, again, for newer players, I think that progressive scoring mechanics is a good thing for them to learn it and and and, yeah. and get a grasp on. Um, it's kind of fun. Sometimes games can get away uh, from players that way. Yeah, but it also it's kind of I don't know. I feel like if you just play the I score a point every turn for holding this objective, you don't you end up not learning and focusing on how to do things like zone you know zone people yes. from being able to summon and yeah. and you become a little bit more careful or you do things like me and you take a 90 point cave shaman and try and hide it behind someone hide behind something and then run out it you know grab a point at the end of the game or something like that yeah but I don't know I just I, I think the progressive scoring is a, is a good mechanic and it's different than anything else that came before oh yeah um Additionally,
2: since, uh, you know, you mentioned briefly um, that you picked around features uh, before and you published them in the packet on, like, Andrew, we waited until the day of. Uh, and, um, did you, you know, let's talk about a little bit about Realm Spells, because it's, it's a new pattern for, like, the, some of the Pacific Northwest tournaments. Mm-hmm. We're basically, like, waging a strike against Realm Spells. And uh, I wanted to hear your take on uh, why we're doing no Realm Spells for Rose City Raft. So,
4: personally, for pickup games, I enjoy Realm Spells, but... Uh, the thing about realm spells is I feel it kind of widens the gulf between newer inexperienced players and players that have been around a lot longer. Um, it's just one more thing for, for newer players um, to not have to wrestle with. Um, Agreed. It might get added later in the year or if we get enough events here locally where it's, uh, pardon me, yeah, where it's, you know... I guess more current where, where players can have more exposure to it um i think we'll probably i might start rolling it back in especially in the second event that's coming this summer
2: yeah so um, uh you know uh the key takeaway from my co-host here alex is to run more events with realms, <laughs> realm, realms realm spells so that way you can have your realm spells back alex uh he's a big uh, he's a big realm spell proponent <laughs> um the uh, uh additionally in the packet itself um Sorry, if for some reason I'm blanking out. Are we doing Hidden Agendas? Yep, okay. I always include Hidden Agendas. How, um, how are you doing
4: it? Are you doing a little bit different than Andrew's? Where yeah, was... I actually really liked what Andrew's did, and I like that it's different than everybody else's. But the way my scoring works is a major victory is worth 14 points, minors are worth 10, draws are worth 7, minor loss is 5, and a major loss is 1. Hidden Agendas are worth additional points in the scenario, and I believe it's... Four points for the overall performance, not for deciding who wins the game, right? Uh, yeah, for the overall score.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's the difference between Andrews and, uh,
4: you know, uh, this basically. Correct. Yeah. So it it affects your overall tournament points, but it doesn't affect win, loss, draw, or game. Yep. Um, additionally,
2: uh, you have a sportsmanship mechanic. uh, Uh. I guess, into the overall, I mean, every event is always going to have sportsmanship into uh, the game, but we have a, uh, and I'm doing John Furham a service here by asking him about it, because it's very similar to his mechanic for sportsmanship uh, for his events. And uh, he wanted to know uh, who inspired you on that one. Um,
4: Well, uh, actually, it was inspired by a guy named John Kersey, who left us to play War Machine. Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah, John. uh, Uh, He wanted to do it at an OFCC the year he was head of gaming, which I think was the last year of Fantasy. Yeah. And I think he chickened out at the end. Oh. Um, But objective scoring is great because, like, I've watched a lot of games where someone will just murderfy their opponent for one reason or another, whether it's dice, skill, whatever. And they'll get marked down horribly on sportsmanship scores when they were a gentleman or a nice person the entire game right. um, and I feel like subjective scoring kind of solves that problem yep. um, generally the sportsmanship award goes, so there's additional points available for getting a favorite opponent award um, and that'll cap your sports score for the overall uh, for the tournament but I still keep track of who gets the most votes because that typically is what gets the minus or the, minus, the best sports award and almost always, there's a runaway person. Got it. The, um... I was
2: going to say... I mean, I'm looking forward to uh, Emerald City Raft a lot. Uh, it's also part of the circuit this year for... Um, the Emerald City Con? The, the Emerald City Con, which is uh, effectively an invitational circuit for who, who places the top three players with a one wildcard card spot. Uh, for all the Pacific Northwest events, where you got, you got all, fourth
4: place at Riptide, right?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, I probably won't be able to go anyway because it's like literally the week before ETC. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I'm probably not gonna be able to make it. So, but anyway, um, now here's my fun question: um, What army do you think is gonna win Real City Ref?
4: You know, I haven't seen the lists in.
2: By the way, reminder: submit your lists. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
4: It's hard to say, for sure. I know... Mm, I mean, the easy thing to say is, is Zinch or, or, or Reapers. Uh, I'd really like to see, You know what I'd really like to see? I'd like to see Dale come down from Canada with his silly uh, Marathi and Gotrik list, and I'd like to see him like crush it with it. <laughs> That'd be fun. But, but, but it's just not going to happen. <laughs> okay. And uh, Now, if you, think, if you think about players... Who do you think in the player
2: scale would win? Like we because we, we're having a lot of like really top tier players. So still. I've got
4: I've got what three of the top yeah. eight at LVO. Yep. Um, plus a lot of other really good players. Yeah. Right. Uh, there's you. There's Alex, and there's Dale Johnson, the Scotch Canadian. <laughs> and then we've got uh, we've got uh, Matt Beasley's coming. Um, um, I got my money on Matt Beasley since he beat Matt's, Matt with <laughs> Matt's Matt's super intense. He actually was one of the players of the very first Rose City draft back in fantasy battle. Yeah, um, he's he's a really good player, and he's it been is. really good for a really long time. Yeah, no, I, I I think of you know
2: you can probably even hear me on stream uh, talk about this in our last game. I think like he's got like potential to be like one of the best players in the United States. I think he's just. Life gets in the way, and I think if he was able to travel more, he'd be probably, like, one... That well, he just enter. had a
4: knee replacement surgery. That yeah. really slowed him down yeah. a bunch, too. Yeah. Or not replacement, but repair. Yeah. And then,
2: you, then you, he also had a kid last year. Right? Yeah. Like his first kid, yeah. So, uh, I my money's on
4: Matt. I'm sorry, Alex, but I think Matt Beasley should probably take it again. Well, we're going to have... We're going to have... The other cool thing we're going to have is we're going to have uh, the guy who basically won Best Painted at LVO and yeah. Ricky Fisher... Yeah. And Evan is coming out from Idaho. Yeah. So there's going to be three amazing looking armies all, right. looking all there to look to at. So we, we, we have an
2: awesome group of people coming should we, should we should take some photos and put them in portraits and just hang them in the hallway, in the in the room here at Guardian to make all the 40K players feel bad. <laughs> uh, just because the quality of paint is very different uh, yeah. between the two games.
4: That's been a thing regionally for a while. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, anyway, Uh i think we're gonna this is the end of the time i see jeremy's beer is empty and my beer is empty so we're gonna probably gonna get another round and uh hopefully play some aos tonight and uh you know uh have a good day and i uh, hope we'll see you in the next year's rose city
4: wrath cool thanks for having me
0: of course and there you have it jeremy strove as he is the to for the rose city wrath uh major major event this yeah. time not a GT. Uh, and it's always a pleasure to have him on the podcast. Uh, be sure to tune in next week where we will have a different uh, big TO in the uh, in the wing as our guest, our lovely guest for that next episode. And uh, if you have any questions, do let us know on uh, Facebook or Podbean. And be sure to rate us on uh, Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or wherever you get your podcast. This is going to be Alex, John, Garrett, and Jeremy signing off for the night. Night, folks.
1: Catch you up in a few weeks.
2: Yeah, and this is my best scared voice impression. Night, folks. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And then now nah, for me, night, folks. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone have a good night. Cheers. Good night.
4: <laughs> Winning is not a sometime thing. It's an all the time thing. You don't win once in a while, and you don't
1: do things right once in a while. You do them right all the time. Winning is a habit.